the Youth Workshop podcast, episode 38. There's a song by the script um, which talks about um, finding colour in the darkest places and beauty in the saddest of faces um, and falling in love in the worst way. And I think that's um, quite a good description of, of how I feel <laughs> about the work. You bring the passion. We bring the knowledge. Learn from the most creative, innovative and experienced youth experts across the globe. Are you ready to take your youth ministry to the next level? If the answer is yes, you are in the right place. The Youth Workshop, the podcast. Here's your host, Luke White. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Luke to the White here. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode. This one's a real special one. Our guest has so much wisdom, knowledge and expertise that this episode has to go down as one of the best. It's one of those episodes that you're going to want to listen to again and again. In fact, it's one of those episodes that you're going to want to rewind when the crowd says Bo Selector. But before we get into all of that, I just wanted to tell you about an amazing opportunity that I think you, you're you not going to want to miss. Len Kegler, who is a youth practitioner, youth expert, I mean, an author, just, just he's been involved in youth ministry for such a long time. He's actually coming to London and he's going to be holding a free event, a free event. Okay. It's a youth ministry development day and you're not going to want to miss it. It starts at 10. It finishes at about half two and it's taking place on the 5th of February. Now, if you want to get a ticket, just head to Eventbrite and sign up, get your tickets. I personally have five. So now all I have to do is find four more friends. And don't worry, this is not an endorsement. I, I You know, I'm not getting paid to promote this event. But let me tell you this, I should be. No, I'm joking. I'm just, t- let me tell you this. This is an event you're not going to want to miss. Get a ticket, look out for me. I'll be there. We can say, hey, you can say hi. You can tell me all about future guests you think we should have on the show and just give me your general feedback. So grab your tickets over at Eventbrite. Without further ado, here is our latest episode of the Youth Workshop podcast. Our special guest today is Debbie Garden. She is the Youth Work Development Advisor for the Frontier Youth Trust. Debbie, how are you doing today? Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. All the better for having you on the show. Um, Thank (laughs) you so much for saying yes. Um, So tell us a bit about yourself and and then a bit about the Frontier Youth Trust. Uh, Okay. Um, I um, have been a youth worker for, um, it must be uh, about 18 years now. Um, I started out as a volunteer um, and then did a degree. Um, and then I've worked in um, in various different settings. I've worked in churches and for some Christian organisations um, and a little bit of work in the statutory sector as well. So, um, yeah, I've worked in lots of different contexts, um, mainly doing uh, missional work or discipleship work. And a lot of it has been with marginalised young people. So that's me. Um, and then Frontier Youth Trust um, is an organisation uh, that works primarily with the Christian community, although not exclusively. Um, and um, we've got kind of various different ways that we would describe ourselves. But I guess uh, I would go with uh, we're trying to pursue a better world for young people. And we're doing that um, partly through working directly with young people, but also partly 
by advocating on their behalf or campaigning um, on their behalf about issues that affect them um, and partly about promoting and uh, training and resourcing the Christian community to work more effectively with young people, particularly in mission and particularly those who are marginalised. Love it. Okay, so maybe give us an experience, a challenging experience that you've had working with marginalised young people. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay. There's a a lot to choose from. Uh, I guess... (laughs) I guess um, one of the um, the most challenging things that I faced wasn't particularly the incident itself, but what that made me realise. Um, we had a, a pair of brothers who um, had a very tr- tricky relationship and they used to come along to the youth club that we ran, ran all the time. Um, and one night there'd been a bit of an issue um, between the the two of them had a third brother, a younger one, um, between him and somebody else. And the oldest brother came up to the youth centre uh, to kind of sort it out. He was quite aggressive and in quite a um, an angry mood. Um, but after a little bit of conversation, he kind of calmed down and things seemed to be fine. Um, and his younger brother, who always seemed to have the kind of power in their relationship, wasn't there at that time, but showed up later at the same time as their dad had appeared um, and um, was really laying into the oldest son about not having uh, defended his little brother's honour. And um, and the middle one kind of walked in, walked straight up to the lad who uh, had apparently caused all the trouble um, and smacked him in the face. And then they all left. And for me, it was just this kind of, uh, this real moment of revelation that um, these these three boys were growing up in a family where the norm was to be violent, to deal with things aggressively. Uh, that was the family code that they were expected to uphold. Um, and the enormity of what it meant to try and engage those young people in a journey of faith um, being discipled by um, somebody who was non-violent and um, and who uh, preached a gospel of peace and love and reconciliation um, and how difficult it would be for any of them to even contemplate walking that path whilst they were living at home in that context um, just made it really clear to me how huge a challenge it was that we were facing. And you know you said you've worked in in the intro you said you've worked in quite a few different settings from churches to even statutory work. Um, Would you do you think that young people are generally the same, regardless of in which situation you find them? Or do you think there are differences between working with young people in the church and in other organisations and other sectors? Um, yeah, I think there are definitely differences, although I would say that a lot of the differences, I think, are more to do with, um, are more created by the context than by the young people themselves. Um, Go a little bit deeper into that. What do you mean? Well, I guess on one level, I would say that all people are the same. I think um, all people want to be known, they want to be loved, and they want to thrive. And um, and the young people that I have worked with from church backgrounds who've tended to be uh, from more affluent families um, with maybe parents involved in professional work, um, their search for thriving has been in um, financial security and academic success, Um, and then ultimately in a good career and a stable relationship. Mm. Uh, The young people from more marginalised backgrounds that I've worked with, their um, 
pursuit of thriving has been in surviving their family context, um, making it through the day. Um, and sometimes that has involved engaging in criminal activity. Um, it's sometimes been looking for hope and meaning in sexual relationships but I think the motivation behind all of that behavior is still the same it's about trying to become and trying to um, find and experience love and trying to be known by the people around you um, I think that the context is the thing that that shapes the the visible behavior that you see among young people um, and I guess um and also how open and honest sometimes the young people will be. I find it quite difficult in church context sometimes to have really open conversations with the young people because they know what they're supposed to say, what they're supposed to be doing and what they're supposed to believe. And um, um, trying to unravel that to get to, but I really want to know the real you um, can sometimes be quite tricky. Interesting. So, you know, a lot of our listeners are volunteer youth workers um, and you know, I think they can really learn from your kind of longevity in youth ministry. So maybe give us some tips on sustainability. How can, how have you managed to stay in youth work for such a long time? And how can we do the same? Um, I guess a big part of it is um, a real sense of calling to it and, um, and, and a sense of not being able to walk away as well. I think, um, it's uh there's a song by the script um which talks about um finding color in the darkest places and beauty in the saddest of faces um and falling in love in the worst way and i think that's um quite a good description of of how i feel <laughs> about the work <laughs> is that, um once you've fallen in love like that you can't walk away even when it gets um, to be quite demanding and quite hard um, I guess it's partly um, about having that sense of purpose and knowing what it is that I'm I'm doing and what the limitations of that are so um, I know there's a, a quote from um, a TV program that I really liked um, it's a, a team who kind of have a mission and one of the characters says one day, well, nothing in the world is the way it's meant to be. Um, it's harsh and it's cruel, but that is why there's us. And it doesn't really matter who we are or where we've come from or even whether we really make a difference. We live as if the world were as it should be to show it what it can be. And I think that was such a powerful um, concept to go away with that actually it's not necessarily about the change that I bring, although I've been incredibly frustrated at times to not see transformation and change where I wanted to. Um, but my responsibility is to just keep living obediently and keep representing the kingdom in the world. Um, and that I can keep doing. So even though I can't make change happen. I can't make people see God at work. I can't make people um, take steps of faith. I can't make people make more positive life choices. I can continue to serve obediently and I can continue to um, to trust that that is all God's asking of me. Um, and I, I guess that kind of lifting of responsibility makes it easier to keep going um, because it's not about creating an outcome. It's about um continuing to be who I've been called to be you know some of our listeners really though they really want to see results they really want to see 
you know those the big wins and you know and and when they are uh, when they do fail they feel frustrated um so how do you deal with the frustration of the failure is it tied all tied up in this idea that what you've just shared that you know things aren't always going to turn out as they can be and it's not about results or how do you do you balance the tension between wanting to see results and accepting that you know it's about being who you're meant to be in the world yeah um I think it's um a combination of different things really um I think obviously uh it's easy for me today to sit here and be stoic but I (laughs) I lose my temper and I have tantrums and I get angry with God and I want to know why he's given me a vision for something that he doesn't seem to be taking any active part in making happen Mm. um and um and I get really frustrated with that. But I guess I also, um, there's a passage in Isaiah that I find really inspiring. Um, it's it, this, the beginning bit of it is that really famous bit that Jesus quoted about um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news and and so on. And the um, later in that passage, it talks about people who've been oppressed and poor and broken and grieving Um they will become oaks of righteousness, um, a, a display of the Lord's splendor. They will rebuild the broken cities and restore the broken generations. Um, and I guess that sense of um, throughout history, back to the time of, of Isaiah being written, um, God has always used people who've been broken and damaged to to restore things and to um, to rebuild and to renew. Um, is is a promise that um that god has made and um either i have faith that god is going to be faithful to his own plans and his own purposes uh, or i don't i guess it's also been for me a bit of a of a re-evaluation of what is a big win and um and actually um sometimes the big wins aren't what you think they're going to be and I I think also particularly working with some of the young people that I have worked with um the big win is that they come into the youth center to hit somebody and they don't hit them because actually for them that is such a massive thing and the night that that lad didn't hit the guy that he'd been sent over to the youth center to hit um and he defied his dad um that was a massive step for him to take and it was a cost for him because when the, the family left and they went home that night, it was really clear which son had done his duty in the eyes of the father and which one had not. And he was going to pay the price for that and he he made that decision and he did it anyway. And that, for me, it was a really small thing because it's really easy for me to not hit somebody in the face. But <laughs> actually... <laughs> that was such a massive stand to take um that you've got to see things from the perspective of the person that you're talking to um and I guess for a lot of the young people that I've worked with in a church context um the uh the stand that they um they take when they are baptized um or trying to untangle whether they really believe what they've been taught all their lives and whether it's something that they own themselves, that is a complex journey. And it's something that you, you can't ever understand where somebody else is coming from. And actually um, sometimes those, the things that we think of are big wins um, are 
are not the things that we should be looking out for. It's actually those kind of those small things where people become more generous or take a stand for um, for justice or um, choose to um, do something that is serving over something that um, is more kind of glamorous or entertaining sometimes those are the big wins and we just we don't see them and I think that's sometimes tied up with ego as well um that we want to have fruitful ministries um and if you're an employed worker sometimes it's you know you're expected to have a fruitful ministry and fruitful looks like more people coming and more people um expressing um a declaration of faith and more people attending sunday services or whatever and um and that external pressure can be really difficult as well, especially when those things are sometimes the evidence of the change that you want to see in the lives of the young people that you're trying to nurture. So, um, so yeah, I think um, setting that stuff aside is really important. Excellent, excellent stuff there. So tell us, you know, we're going to switch gears a little bit now, Debbie, and I want you to tell us about the biggest mistake you've made in youth ministry what is the biggest mistake you have made uh again there's so many to choose from (laughs) Um, i think um probably the maybe not the biggest mistake i made but the one that i've learned the most from um was putting the program first um I'm quite a kind of purpose-focused person and I'm quite a purpose-driven person and um, I like to know where I'm going and what it's about and what it's achieving and then I like to create a plan for how it's going to happen and so I guess in my first full-time page job um, I was looking at right this is where I want the young people to get to and say these are the groups I'm going to run and this is what we're going to do in the groups and this is what they're for and um the program became the paramount thing and everything serving delivering the program that I'd created and designed and actually it was a disaster because because I didn't know the young people I was working with information that I've been given from the church and the leaders um and I was trying to make the young people fit the program um and so the message that they were getting from that was that they weren't really that important and um, I um, wasn't really bothered about what they thought or what they were interested in. And to an extent, that was kind of true because I was very focused on this is what the church have asked me to accomplish. Um, so this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I guess the big learning from that was that it's primarily got to be about relationships mm. um, and um so I'm still very purpose driven, but that purpose is always filtered through trying to discover an individual and who they are and what they're about and then what God's purpose is within the life of that individual. And then it becomes more about what's the relationship that needs to happen with this person to help facilitate that purpose that I can see God trying to work in them um, and pursuing all of those kind of bigger, bigger aims through um, the relationships that I have and that I'm trying to build. You know, on this podcast, it's all about reflecting on the mistakes that people have made and the, the experiences that they've learned along the way and really garnishing the best advice. So, you know, maybe tell us your best bit of advice. If you could tell our youth workers just one thing that you've learned from your experience, what would it be? Um, I think... Um, 
everything's relational. Um, I remember years ago hearing Jeff Lucas speak about um, how do we know God's will for our life. And I remember him saying, um, God's will for your life is 90% of the time more relational than it is geographical. So um, he, God is more interested in how you're relating to him, um, how uh, connected you are with him, the priority that you're giving to your relationship with him, than he is in where you are and what you're doing and what tasks you are fulfilling. And I guess I found that to be the same in, um, in working directly with young people as well. It's all about trying to know that person and to love that person and to um, facilitate the right relationship with that person um, because that's how God engages with us. And I guess also in terms of leadership teams that I've worked with and leadership teams that I have failed miserably to work with, it's been largely to do with the quality of the relationship that I've had with um with those those people and those teams um if i've been um trying to do what i think is right or fulfill my vision or pursue my plan um and implement my purposes and that's been the priority that i've been working to and i haven't taken into account anything to do with the relationship that i have with them or building trust or getting um earning respect and earning um a track record um and just showing love and concern and compassion for them and the things that they are burdened by then I've got nowhere and I've faced a lot of obstacles um so yeah you've got to take care of the relationships first and foremost with those that you're working with and your own relationship with God love it give us some practical steps for building relationships with our team I think it's partly about paying attention to what people say to you and trying to remember it, um, which um, which is something that I don't find too difficult. So I'm quite blessed in that. Um, and then remembering to ask people, how did that meeting go that you were concerned about? Um, uh, how was your how was your birthday? How was that um, reunion that you were going to? Um, and and genuinely being interested um I guess it's about listening to people and um yeah trying to hear the heart of what they're saying and the things that they are um concerned about or preoccupied or the things that scare them um and trying to read below what they're actually saying as well um I think one of the things that I have struggled with in relationship with the church is that I have got endlessly frustrated by um, there was a point where I was working with um, 100 to 150 different young people every week and um, the church wanted to know why none of them were coming on a Sunday and I got really frustrated by this kind of um, this devaluing of the fact that I was seeing young people kind of five or six days a week I was seeing so many of them I was building all these relationships the team were building all these relationships um none of it mattered because they weren't in church for that mm. slot on a Sunday morning yep but I guess what I eventually kind of came to realize is that part of what was going on there was that for those people that Sunday morning slot and that community of faith that they were part of was something really precious to them um, and something that they had really valued and had had a massive 
significant contribution to their own spiritual life and their spiritual journey. And there was a sense in which they wanted to have that validated by new people coming in and also finding it useful and finding appreciation in it. And um, so I guess that helped um, to give me a little bit more empathy with them and where they were coming from and to see their questions in a slightly different way because although I think there was a bit of a where where are the numbers thing going on um I think it was also about um we would love to share this thing that has been really precious to us with other people um and we we would love them to come and be a part of that um and that made it an easier conversation to have than the kind of just direct conflict about we want numbers well I don't care about numbers so yeah does that answer your question I've kind of forgot what your question was (laughs) (laughs) it does it does and our listeners are grateful for your response (laughs) you know one of the things that really um, really challenges our youth workers is the idea of kind of managing their time now you have being a youth leader for or worked in with in youth work for a number of years do you have any ideas for schedules organization or productivity how can we just stay on top of our workload rather than our workload being on top of us weighing us down (laughs) killing us slowly (laughs) um I think it's partly about using the tools that you've got available to you so it's partly about thinking through those questions of is this really important how valuable is this going to be um is this something that's really going to make a contribution to the ultimate purpose of the work or the ministry um or is this just an incidental thing um and trying to be as selective as possible about what you commit time to Um, I think it's also partly about using your time well. So in different jobs that I've had, there's been a lull over the summer um, because uh, groups have shut down, people go away on holiday. When I was running a gap year team, um, we didn't have the gap year around over over August. And it's about using that time partly to rest and to recuperate, but it's also about using it to get your head into gear and to start getting ahead with planning when you've got those kind of quiet times and and those lulls in activity um and also you don't want to go on holiday in august because it's really expensive and you're a youth worker so you're not earning very much money um (laughs) so um so i think it's partly those kind of try to plan well try to do things in advance but i think it also i'm just gonna go back to the drum i've been banging it's also about the relationship stuff um and i think if you are framing all of your decision making about how you're using your time around the question what is going to grow this relationship in the way that it needs to grow I think that helps you to filter what really needs to happen and what doesn't need to happen Um, so if you've been asked to do a presentation at a church meeting or you've been asked to write an article for a newsletter um, or you've been asked to go and do a school assembly what's the relationship in question and how are you trying to grow it and what in what way are you trying to grow it and is this something that's going to actually help contribute to that because if it's not then don't do it um so yeah I think it's about being selective about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and um 
and then sticking to those crucial things, those really, uh, those core and essential things, not being distracted from that. Awesome. Love it, love it, love it. Now, we're getting so much wisdom and so much ad- advice from you today. But let's continue that with you telling us maybe the best book or resource you've read on leading young people that you think you could recommend to our team, our listeners. Definitely. Um, it's called Making Connections and it is a book by Tim Lovejoy and I just love it. I just think it's the best thing that was ever written. Um, <laughs> possibly in the world um, in the world exactly (laughs) (laughs) um yeah there's so many great things about it it's uh it's a story of um of this guy Tim Lovejoy who wrote it it's a story of his work in a particular center that he was involved in um and each chapter tells a bit of the story of the work that he did and then it has his reflections on what he learned about that um and he's got loads of quotes in it which I really love because I collect quotes um about um uh different ways in which Jesus did things or kind of words of wisdom that different people have reflected on um there's some kind of reflection questions there's a bit of bible study in there it's just got a bit of everything but it's absolutely incredible and it's just this amazing um guide to how do you build relationships with people who are on the edge who are at risk who are marginalized who are fragile um and um and you know and how do you build relationships with anybody really and then how do you through those relationships help people make connections to the um the transcendent and the spiritual and the divine um yeah and I cannot recommend it highly enough it's absolutely incredible um by coincidence it is actually um something that you can probably only get now from Frontier Youth Trust uh, but <laughs> complete I did, coincidence there, I did get this book <laughs> I did get this book and fall in love with this book in uh 1999 and I've only worked for Frontier Youth Trust since 2011 so I promise you it's a genuine recommendation fair enough fair enough <laughs> so there's a real thread that's building up in this in this podcast today and I love when that happens and it's this idea of relationships how important they are um, to the growth of our ministry and to everything that we're doing so you know they say as well that repetition deepens impression and when you teach something (laughs) when you teach something um, it actually solidifies it in your own mind so teach us some of the the um, the ways that Tim Lovejoy was it yeah tim lovejoy what 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 advice does he give for building relationships share with us um i think it's it basically all comes down to um the same things that human beings have discovered throughout history it's about being alongside people it's about um trying to emphasize the ways in which you are similar to people it's about finding common ground um and it's about not judging um there's there's a brilliant quote in the book that talks about how jesus spent loads of time with the dispossessed and the marginalized and the sinners and so to the power brokers of the time um he became one of them and they looked at him and they saw someone who was um who was a sinner and who was dispossessed and who was on the edges of society um and you can see with the reaction of the Pharisees and the teacher of, teachers of the law that that's exactly what they saw. They saw this rebellious troublemaker um, who was kind of cluttering up their nice, clean religion, <laughs> which is exactly what they thought of the people that Jesus spent his time around. Um, 
and I yeah I think um I just did one of those silly Facebook tests yesterday um, about uh, <laughs> what's your what's your true age. Um, and one of them I thought was really interesting. Um, my my age at heart apparently is is sixteen, wow. which is definitely not my actual age. I promise. <laughs> you sure. Um, <laughs> Oh, I wish. Um, so um, um, I think one of the things that um, made me reflect on is um, obviously there's very little validity in a Facebook test. But um, but that actually there's a lot of ways in which uh, I am. I share a lot of characteristics with the young people that I work with um, and I still have um, a lot of. A lot of my perspective on life is still shaped by um, the experiences of the young people that I spend time with and that I'm around. Um, and I, I do sometimes find that I'm more comfortable really talking with young people than I am with with adults. Um, I guess it's maybe partly because uh, I'm not married and I don't have any children. And so the older I get, the less common ground I have with um, with some of the, a lot of the adults around me. But uh I guess it also makes me think of a, another quote um, that I heard in my training, which was um, something about uh, you don't get old when you, just because you get older in years, you you get old when you stop having dreams um, and you stop believing that the impossible could happen. Um, and, yeah, I guess that kind of, um, that whole thing about just trying to, be like Christ and be like the people that you're working amongst and then bridge the gap between the two is um is the kind of message that he's talking about in the book really so yeah so grab that ladies and gentlemen make sure you get a copy of that book so you say you collect quotes do you put them like how do you collect them in a central in on a website do you have a blog or anything like that that we could plug into to have a look at these <laughs> quotes or is it just all in your in your mind it's partly in my mind it's partly in a series of notebooks that I've had since I was about 15 it's partly on bits of paper that I've got stuck up around the walls and stuff so so how did you end up how did this passion start um I don't know I guess I've always been a reader um and I like words and I am really happy when there's a great phrase for something um or a brilliant quote that really encapsulates a cosmic truth so what's your favorite quote right now um, I'm putting you on the spot well, now. <laughs> right now. I don't know. I guess one that I come back to you quite regularly is uh, is one that somebody wrote in my graduation card when I um, was doing my youth work degree. Um, it's by Malcolm Muggeridge, and it's uh, something along the lines of every happening in life, large and small, is a parable by which God speaks. The art of life is to get the message. Repeat that one more time. Someone sitting right at the back missed it. Go ahead. Give it to us again. <laughs> Every happening in life, large and small, is a parable by which God speaks. The art of life is to get the message. What does that mean to you? God is at work in everything. Um, I find um, that lots of people are quite unhappy with that concept and they, they like to think of God as being... Um, is speaking through um, scripture, possibly through preaching. Um, but I think God is, has created everything. God has created all of us. We're all made in the image of God. And so all of the different events that happen um, in life are parables. I don't think that that means that God is um, 
intervening directly in every situation. I don't think that everything that has happened has been caused by God. Um, and, uh, and I don't believe in that thing about everything happening for a reason, um, except beyond the kind of normal facts of life that there's a cause and effect to everything. But, um, but what I do believe is that there is always something that God is wanting to teach us through every situation that we face. And actually, if we stop and think about anything for long enough, God will be able to speak to us through it. So like this week, uh, one of my colleagues is moving on from Frontier Youth Trust and uh, he's been growing um, acorns into baby oak trees for the last year or so. And so as a leaving gift, he gave each of us a, a tiny baby oak tree to be prophetic with. Oh, wow. And I found myself over the last two days having loads of thoughts about, well, what does that mean? So somebody suggested that I could um, make it into a bonsai oak tree so I could keep it at home. So that got me thinking about, well, what's the prophetic implication of that? Does that mean that, um, would that be a kind of uh, prophetic statement about capping growth and making sure that things don't get any bigger um, and oak trees have got really deep and long roots so they can cause a lot of damage but they also provide a lot of shelter and do a lot of good stuff so where does an oak tree need to be planted and um, and if you're being prophetic is the prophetic voice supposed to undermine foundations of some things in which case which foundations is it supposed to undermine and uh, where is it supposed to stop short of undermining those foundations um, mm. and all of these kind of things and this is just because um, I have a little oak tree seedling that somebody's given me and um, a couple of people have made comments on Facebook and I really feel like God's stretching my thinking about what does it really mean to be a prophet and what does it really mean to speak truth into the world? Um, and yeah, and that's not been inspired by scripture or a great sermon or a worship song. It's been inspired by a gift. So that's, so yeah, that's what that quote means to me. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right then, Debbie, tell us now what is exciting you the most about what you're involved in with Frontier Youth Trust. Um, well, to be honest, that's quite a difficult question at the moment because we've been through a lot of change recently um, and we've had a few really sad things happen over the last couple of years. Um, most recently, our chair of trustees died in a, a very serious accident. Sorry um, to hear that. Um, thank you. <laughs> so actually, um, it doesn't so much feel like an exciting time um, as a slightly terrifying time where, where everything is um, is being changed and everything is under scrutiny and everything is being questioned. Um, and so that feels a bit scary. But again, again, I guess it also feels like an experience that is going on in the world right now as well, especially with the last few years of austerity and budget cuts and welfare reductions and the recent budget. It feels like for a lot of people, um, the, um, the rug's been pulled out from under their feet and they're left not really sure what the future holds. So I guess there's a way in which we're experiencing the same um, sort of um, sense of the world as some of the people that we work with. Wow. You put a, a really interesting spin on what's, you know, usually kind of a an optimistic question but i like the way that you, the way you actually have brought the reality of life to <laughs> the question no seriously because i mean uh, <laughs> every, everything isn't roses and 
and and and chocolates as much as it should be no um, that's true you know, although so. i have to admit i'm not really much of an optimist i got a birthday card uh, <laughs> last year um which which said on the front of it dear optimists um be aware that if you look on the bright side for too long you'll go blind <laughs> signed the pessimists it's like yeah <laughs> Fair point. That is so true. That is that is so true, right there. That card is is prophetic in itself. (laughs) Oh wow. So yeah, so I try and rein it in a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I've had this odd combination of being quite idealistic and having very high hopes and expectations and aspirations for things, and then having this very cynical side about what's actually going on as well. Um, So yeah. I'm not sure I bring much light to many situations. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. You know, it, there's there's a tension. There's, there's a tension that exists between yeah, what what we hope for and 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 how things sometimes are. So you've just reminded us of that fact, which which thank you. We're grateful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're we're nearing the end now. Maybe um, leave us with you know your the favorite your favorite piece of scripture that kind of keeps you on track or comforts you when things are going a bit off point sure I think um this is probably a combination of um the passage from Isaiah that I was speaking about earlier um about um broken people becoming the ones who will um bring restoration and healing for others um and then also there's this passage in Deuteronomy um that I, I really resonate with um Moses is kind of doing his speech to the people shortly before he dies and um and he talks about um, wanting to enter into the promised land and trying to bargain with God to be allowed to enter the promised land. Um, and God says no. Um, but but then God says to him um, to go up to the top of this mountain and to look uh, west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes um, because you're not going to cross the Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead the people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. Um, And I think um, like what we were talking about earlier with the whole um, issue of frustrations and um, feeling like God has promised to work miracles in people's lives and then not seeing that happen. um, I guess I was thinking about this whole promised land that I feel god's god wasn't making good on i guess at the time that i first sort of really came across this passage um and it really made me think about actually there is there's always a promised land beyond um beyond where i'm going to be able to walk um and the young people that i work with i work with for a time and they move on and they're always living partly in spaces that i don't inhabit and then they're going to go on and um live completely in spaces that i don't inhabit and they walk in um in countries and lands and in lives that i just um am not present in but my job is about bringing that encouragement and that commissioning and that strengthening and equipping them to go into those lands that I'm not a part of. And if I never see the promised land beyond the view from the top of a mountain, then that's okay. Cause, um, cause Moses made it there um, eventually in the transfiguration. So, <laughs> so we'll <laughs> all get there in the end. <laughs> so, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but I guess there's a whole kind of, <laughs> 
thing there about maybe getting to experience things that you um you wish you had have seen so um I guess in the end it comes down to the fact that I think God is trustworthy and uh much more so than I am and if it's important to me and it's a priority to me how much more so is it for him and um he's he is a reliable pair of hands to be uh leaving my hopes and dreams in because he was the source of them in the first place so um so yeah and also it's always good to kind of see yourself as Moses that's quite quite cool so (laughs) it's always a good way to start the day (laughs) (laughs) Debbie thank you so much for coming on the call today maybe just um leave us with the best way to keep in touch with you personally and and also the best way to keep up with everything that Frontier Youth Trust are up to in this transitional period and beyond? Sure. Um, well, we have a website which we um, uh, put most of our stuff on, which is um, fyt.org.uk. Um, and also we're on Facebook as well. So if you go to the website, you can find us on Facebook. Or if you just search Frontier Youth Trust on Facebook, you'll find us. So if you like the page, um, all our news goes on there. If we get told about job opportunities around the country, they go on there as well. So, uh, so yeah, and we're on Twitter as well at FYT Tweets. So if you want to find us on Twitter, that's where we are. Excellent. Debbie, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're wiser and a little bit more realistic <laughs> because of your, your presence here today. So thank you so much and we look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. Another stonker there. Thank you so much, Debbie. That was a fantastic episode. Ladies and gentlemen, don't miss any of this. 2016 has started off at an amazing pace and we're going to keep it going. To keep up to date with everything we're doing here at the Youth Workshop Podcast, why not follow us at LukeCRWhite on Twitter, Instagram, whatevs, or at Podcast at Twitter. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, create an impact with your influence.